0: Hello everybody, it's Carrie Adams and I am doing another little wine podcast for Biz News, so welcome to my podcast for today. I'm chatting to Mike Ratcliffe, anybody who knows about anything to do with wine in South Africa and now stretching right across the world will definitely know who Mike Ratcliffe is. His mother, dare I mention her because nobody wants to be somebody's son. But Michael's mother is a very dear friend of mine, Norma Ratcliffe, and she did really pioneer women winemaking in South Africa. She was the first woman winemaker in South Africa. She's also a darling friend. She was married to the long-suffering Stan, who stood in the background and earned lots and lots of money to make babies and have Michael and his sister and a winery and vineyards. And between them, Warwick was born. And everybody knows about the brand that is Warwick. Warwick has been sold on to other people and bigger and better and happier times, but we're very lucky because Michael had perspicacity, and I think he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but about 15, 16 years ago, he launched his own brand, which is called Villafonte. I wanted to chat to Mike today in a time of doom and gloom about how you establish a brand in such a short space of time in a world where there are millions of labels and just a handful of brands. So, Mike, welcome to Biz News and welcome to our little wine corner. How are you?
1: Hey, Carrie. and hi to all the listeners. Great to be here. And, yeah, I'm, I'm great. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day in Stellenbosch where I am at the moment, and we are heading towards harvest. So it's a very exciting time of the year.
0: Oh, my goodness, harvest. That's the first thing that we might have to speak about because there are a whole lot of farmers who I think are panicking their rocks off at the moment because they've got tanks and barrels full and they've got a harvest which is nigh. What are we going to do about that?
1: Yeah, it's a a big industry-wide issue, especially in the bulk wine industry, uh, the larger producers. And your listeners might actually be interested to not know just the fact that there's a problem, but where the problem started. And the way that the industry works is that grapes are harvested in January, February, March. And then our biggest export markets are the Northern Hemisphere, Europe in general, and the UK. And the timing of those shipments is that the grapes that are harvested in January, February, March are turned into wine and they are shipped in bulk in the months of April and May in order to meet the timeline for the European summer where they can be bottled and sold and consumed. And of course, in 2020, we had lockdown, April and May, and our governments, in their wisdom, decided to ban export. And that is where the problem started because the biggest two export months of the year we're blocked by the government and the industry now is suffering as a result of that.
0: So do we have any idea how much wine we've got sitting around waiting to be put into a pup or a bottle or a tank or something?
1: The wine can be sold, the wine can be consumed, and, and in general, the wine is pretty good. South Africa doesn't own the crisis of the pandemic and we don't own the crisis of lockdown. And so all around the world, people are having trouble. It's just the fact that we've banned alcohol and so we've made it really hard uh, in South Africa. I've heard various numbers bandied around. The, the numbers are too big to really comprehend. I've heard 300 million litres is the excess, but you know the, the numbers are just mind-bogglingly big. For somebody that drinks a cheaper bottle of wine on a Tuesday night and something more lavish on a Saturday night, 300 million litres just doesn't compute.
0: No, it doesn't. All that being equal, I know that you're sort of spearheading a little initiative, taking the government to court, are you?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a real industry team effort. It started during the first lockdown, uh, when we got a, a bunch of industry bodies together from as da- diverse as the Hermanus wine growers, the Stellenbosch wine Roots, Paul, Franschick, and we bandied together to take government to court. Unfortunately, the day before judgment was due to be handed down, the ban on the sale of alcohol was lifted. So we don't really know if we won it or not, but we like to at least give ourselves some credit that we put some pressure on government. So it was just announced today. Uh, in fact, it was embargoed until one o'clock today on the 27th of January that, uh, Vinpro, which is the industry body was taking government to court. Uh, so that press release has gone out. Um, we've, we've been actively campaigning behind that to support them in my capacity as chairperson of, of Stellenbosch wine. We have the biggest representation of producers in Vinpro. So we, we have been making a fair amount of noise, but the, the reality is, Kerry, that. The wine industry supports the government's effort to cut down on or clamp down on the spread of COVID. We support it 100%. But we simply don't believe that a blanket ban is the answer. The industry has given government so many different techniques, methodologies, recommendations that that we believe would have been more effective without causing the pandemic of poverty and unemployment that it's leaving behind.
0: There's a massive knock on effect because it's not just the wine industry. The wine industry is the single biggest employer. In the agricultural sector, we know that yep. it also contributes massively to tourism, which is another big knock on effect. Never mind the restaurant trade and the hotels and the bars and on and on and on it goes. So it really is a sort of a house of cards. Yep. What is your prognosis on, on the current ban? Do you think that they're going to take heed of any of these pleas or any of these legal initiatives?
1: Well, on the positive side, we still live in a relative democracy, and we still have relatively independent judiciary, and um, the court cases are rolling out. You know, South African Breweries is rolling it out, the Restaurant Association of South Africa is rolling it out, the wine industry through Vinpro is rolling it out. So, so there is a legal onslaught coming the way of government. I have every reason to believe that that all three of these cases are based on logical arguments, and ultimately logical arguments should win the case.
0: Yeah, we just say thank you so far for what your efforts have have sort of encompassed to date. And let's talk about happier things like Villafonte, because Villafonte is a very happy space for me. And I think that when I chatted to you this morning or yesterday, you were opening a bottle of 2019 Villafonte C, which I was extraordinarily jealous and envious about. Villafonte is how old, Mike?
1: Next year, Villafonte will be celebrating 25 years. Oh, um, <laughs> never. How can that be? <laughs> Our first property was purchased in 1996, the first vineyards planted in 1997, the Cabernet Vineyards. So, yeah, 25 years. And you know me, any excuse for a celebration. But, yeah, quarter century, going pretty strong. And the nice thing is it's still the original team. There's been very little change. It's We just do the same thing over and over.
0: You don't. You do the same thing better every year. And it's a a lesson that we really need to teach so many people. And I think your headspace and your energy and your enthusiasm is so infectious. But most of all, what I really wanted to try and get a message across in times that are bleak and sort of a bit depressing at the moment is that it is actually possible to create a fantastic brand and not just a brand, a super premium brand which is really hard to do, let's be honest. I mean, it's quite easy to to bottle 5 billion bottles of semi-drinkable wine and send it off and everybody says, oh, gosh, this is fun, you know, and let's sing and dance and drink and be merry. It's not so easy to create a super premium brand with a very limited supply to start with. I mean, you've upped your production a bit, but it was very limited to start. How did you create that brand?
1: Looking back, it's much easier to to explain what happened rather than looking forward, because I often feel like I'm in the dark. I, I think, when it certainly when it comes to um, operating at the top of the market, short-term thinking just doesn't cut it. The reality is you need to choose your site well. You, you simply can't build great wines on the back of poor terroir. It just can't be done. So that's the first thing. So perhaps we got lucky, but perhaps we didn't. But we have started with a piece of land that is quite remarkable and our predominant soil type is called Villafonte and that's so we built our planted our vineyards and built our brand on the name of our soil and and the answer is also long term that soil's been around a hell of a long time um ultimately you know i think you have to think what what i'm really aiming for is a a, a double century this is already a 200 year business plan true greatness is not often created in a single generation in the wine industry there's there's got to be long termism in in the thinking and you know if i can uh, be part of the team that laid the solid foundation for the future generations. Well, then that's a great result.
0: Tell me that one of your daughters is going to take over from you and run your business. Or either of them. I know one plays the guitar. I don't know what the other's doing at the moment.
1: Well, actually, you mentioned that bottle of wine that I opened last night. It's the very first bottle of the 2019, and um, I drank it around the dinner table with my family. And both daughters, who are 14 and 16, they both tried it, and one of them thought it was the most delicious thing they've ever tasted. And the other one thought that it was um, like drinking sandpaper. So <laughs> it might still be early to talk about second generation, but uh, we're working on it.
0: Mike, the 2019 is due for release when?
1: We've got a long way to go. We, we make three Bordeaux blends. Uh, the very first wine that will be released will be the seriously old Dirt 2019, which will be released at the end of February. Then um, the, the Series C and Series M end of uh, this year and the beginning of next year. So they're all bottled and labeled, but we like to keep them in the cellar for at least a year just to allow the flavors to integrate. So this, and this is a patient game, you know, it's a waiting game.
0: Well, you're going to have to send me a bottle of seriously old dirt and an M and a C for the boys who look after me here. Because the only reason they're looking after me at the moment is that they think they're going to get a glass of wine at some stage. And if it was that, they would be very, very, very lucky. So next time you come to Johannesburg, you're going to have to come and visit us and have a drink with us, Mike. What's on the cards for Villafonte going forward? Anything big that we need to know about?
1: Uh, a very slow and steady um, planting program. We've been quietly increasing our hectareage, so. So we're now about um, 20 hectares planted, which for any other wine industry people listening, they'd be laughing at me saying, only 20 hectares? What are you talking about? That's mm-hmm. nothing. We think it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, we planted two hectares last year, which is the biggest planting we've ever done. And it's just not that big. But, you know, when you're planting this kind of quality, you need to do it right. And every single detail takes so much, so long. And so planting is, is probably the most exciting thing we've been doing lately.
0: For the edification of my number crunching listeners... How much is it costing now per hectare to plant a Villa Fonte type hectare? Or is that too much of an, of an inside secret?
1: I've always learned from my business partners that um, we should be open with all of our intellectual uh, knowledge and experience because it's never really about the knowledge, it's, it's always about the implementation. So I can tell you exactly 420,000 to 450,000 per hectare. It's certainly not cheap, but we consider it to be a really good value.
0: Well, when they taste that gorgeous, velvety, crimson stuff, it is absolutely delicious. For those of you who have never tasted a glass of the La Fonte C or M, or even seriously old dirt, which I just love, it's my, it's my standard go-to, if you haven't tasted, I'm not going to say go to the shop and buy, because then Cyril's going to come after me, because you can't do that at the moment. But as as soon as soon the op- as the stores are open... Make that your first bottle of wine that you buy, anything from Villafonte. Thank you so much for being with us on Business. It was an absolute treat, as always. And when you come up next time, we're going to have you in the studio. Done? Done.